0: It's easy to want to hide in a corner and lick our wounds and even probably normal to cover up the scars or the signs of brokenness and the need for a savior and recent surrender to him after facing our realities and sinful actions or natures. But God gave us something to keep us from getting kicked while we're down, stepped and trampled on in our vulnerable moments just after surrendering to him. Something to actually empower us to grow spiritually and begin to fight against the sin that we just finished repenting from. And because we're made in his image, God gave us this innate desire for and provided a lifeline for us with this one key to spiritual growth after an encounter with him and after our repentance for our sin. And we're going to dive into step three of this Find Freedom From Sin series. So go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit-up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to The Jar Podcast with your host, Lydia, Certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. Welcome back to the Wives Find Freedom From Sin series. This is step three of our four-part series, and I'm going to do a quick recap of steps one and two, but of course, I recommend you go back and listen to them. So the first thing that we need that we talked about in order to find ultimate, lasting freedom from sin is a total encounter with God, not anything in our strength, even good things like plans to do better and setting goals. It's just this breaking down and ultimate encounter with God for us to really find and discover our true dream is to know Him above all and love Him. And then step two after that kind of an experience and that kind of an encounter with God Step two is to fully surrender. It is this surrender of our will, of our plans, of our future, just giving everything completely over to Him. And a life-changing, sometimes sudden, unexpected moment or experience leaves us noticeably different. Sometimes that can be a complete undoing of what we thought we needed we thought was necessary, and we thought was right. And surrender is just not an easy thing to do. Like I talked about before, it's actually not the easy way out. So if you haven't listened to those first two episodes, I recommend you go back and listen to those. Today in step three, before we dive in, I just wanted to remind you that on Saturday, I have a super, super special live episode with my friend and guest, Alicia Dorsett. We're going to be talking about if it's okay to be mad at God when things fall apart and the things that we love and are good in our lives, like our family, like our children, like our marriages, just break or go through trauma or diagnoses and how to work through that pain and struggle. So I'm going to be doing it live in my Facebook group. So if you're not a part of it, click on it in the show notes or just type in bit.ly slash Christian Wife and Marriage Community, bit.ly forward slash Christian Wife and Marriage Community, and make sure to join us live because you'll get to interact with us, chat with us, and it's going to be so good. All right, so step three in this series is a little different. It's the one step that is bigger than us. It's beyond an individual experience. It's not just a simple Well, I wouldn't call it simple, but it's not just an encounter one-on-one with God, and it's not a one-on-one experience of surrendering to Him either. This one is a step that keeps us humble. It keeps us in check. It keeps us aligned with what God wants to do with this newly changed heart and awareness that we have. This newly repented heart that is soft and open to Him and His will. And it's the step that keeps us walking in this light that we have now found. And this one key is community. In the definition of community, at least a couple of them said, that community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, social values, and responsibilities. And I really like this next part of the definition. It says joint ownership or liability when we are in fellowship with other believers and we are in a community with them it we share joint ownership of each other's struggles and spiritual growth and hardships we share the liability if somebody goes off track because it's part of our collective responsibility to keep each other together and focused on the right things a christian community is super important for happiness and for spiritual growth for depth for those roots to sink down deeper so that when temptation comes back which it will we are stronger and more rooted because of others around us and it it's not meant to be an optional part of walking the christian life when we're in a close relationship with other believers we have people to pray for us, support us, encourage us, and serve alongside us. And if you've been around this podcast long enough, you know that I love me a good acronym. So that's what you're going to get today. The acronym is group for, of course, community group. And I think breaking it down to these simple steps is going to help us understand just the value that community really is and how important this step is in the journey of finding freedom and truly breaking free from the sin and the chains that held us back before. So you might want a piece of paper to write these down or if you just want to come back and listen and take some notes later. Each letter stands for a part of this explanation and understanding of how important community is for a Christian especially one that is coming out of a really difficult, dark season of being just in the throes of sin and all consumed by it. And you have to remember that our our natural instincts, when we've walked through something that's embarrassing, that's shameful, that's just this really depressing, dark thing, we want to hide it. We don't want people to know We don't want to tell our neighbor. We don't want them to find out and think lesser of us or to treat us differently or to misunderstand us. And this first step for the letter G is something that you might even find yourself resisting. If you're the one coming out of this place, you're probably going to have this resistance in your spirit to avoid this and to even push this away. G stands for gather or gather around. And I, I think about the time when I was in that place. I was coming out of or actually in the middle of separation, divorce papers, sharing my children on the weekends with my husband who lived over 100 miles from me. And I would spend the Sundays that I didn't have my kids at this church where I knew people. And it was risky because it's a small church. And side note, we're still there six years later as a fully healed, whole, reconciled family. All glory to God. But before that, I just knew that I needed people. But before I knew that I needed people, it was them that found me first. It was them that drove down to where I lived and prayed over me surrounded me, came to me, gathered around me, and when I would go to the church, I'd be there just in tears. But there would be people around me, some that I knew, some that I didn't know, laying hands on me, crying with me, sitting with me, coming around me, and supporting me. And I think about Jesus when he was in his most vulnerable state in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was in the middle of surrendering his will to the Father before a painful event, he had his closest friends come with him and pray with him. Of course, they kind of failed and fell asleep, but the point was that he need—he knew he needed people. He knew he needed them close by to be there, to comfort him in his sadness, because surrendering our wills to God doesn't always mean instant joy and Just, I'm so excited to surrender to you. We sometimes know that God's asking us to walk through a difficult thing. And surrender can sometimes leave us in this really vulnerable and open state. And even Jesus knew that. Another great example of community was in the early church of Acts, which they made a habit of meeting together, eating together, and worshiping together. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So gathering people around and people coming together around someone who's walked through a, a difficult time shows other people Christ's love. And it's the difference between a religion and a relationship. People that are in a religion, you know, are known to kick people out or exile them or have them leave the church but the relationship with Jesus when we have done something wrong and we have turned away from our sin and repented and asked him for forgiveness is to come around us to love us to welcome us and another benefit of gathering around of, of other people gathering around us is that it helps us to continue walking in the light. First John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So we have fellowship with others who help keep us walking in this light and in this freedom that we have found so that we don't forget it, so that we don't turn our backs on it and go back to our temptations and sinful natures. So the next letter, letter R is for remind. When we have allowed people to gather around us and we don't push them away and we don't try to hide this experience that we've just walked through and we've learned how to rely on our people, our community, they are there to remind us. They're there to remind the one who's newly surrendered after this encounter with God the one who's newly broken to stay on track and stay focused 1 Corinthians 15:33 says do not be misled bad company corrupts good character and Colossians 3:16 says let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God and That's what our community is for. To remind us about the bad company that corrupts good character, but also to be the good company that influences our character for the better. To use psalms and hymns and the word of God and songs and gratitude to admonish us, to keep teaching us, to keep helping us grow in this spiritual walk that we're on. So they are there to G, gather around us, R, remind us, and now O, outreach. I don't know if you know anything about community, at least good community in the Christian walk, but let me tell you, when I even wanted to hide, they wouldn't let me. They didn't let me go off with my wounds and hide in shame and keep everybody out and shut the world out. They came to me. They reached out to me whether that was through a phone call or physically. And I do have to give a little side note here to be careful if you are the one doing the outreach. This is not a chance to commiserate, to take on the wounds of someone, to gossip, to excuse their behavior. And if you're the one that is wounded and you have just recently gone through this big encounter and surrendered your will to god but you're still fighting this battle to fight to be fully free from sin it's important to not take advantage of the people reaching out to you and begin to excuse your behavior or gossip about the others involved in this or attempt to get your friends to commiserate with you The point is, is that this outreach is meant to help you know that you're not alone in your sin struggle. Other people have gone through similar things or they see you going through it and that's comforting enough to know that you're not alone. The enemy would just love to isolate you. When you are hiding in secret, that's where he finds you. When you believe that your struggles are unique and no one else would understand that's where you're vulnerable and i i know that some people know about this analogy about these the mama elephants coming around and protecting one of uh, their young or wounded and i kind of got that visual when i was thinking about this point is that if we hide in secret and we don't admit our wounds and we don't admit that we are vulnerable and need protection, then we're the ones that are vulnerable being left behind and easy to be attacked. Isaiah 53 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We've all been there. We've all fallen, maybe in different ways. But when we finally wake up and realize that we're not alone, sin is a common struggle. There is no need to hide, to be embarrassed, to feel ashamed. That is not from God. And there's a difference between guilt leading us to repentance and shame leading us to sorrow that holds us back and hides us. So we've talked about G, gather, R, remind, O, outreach. And now the next step of the benefit of having a community around you in this walk, in this spiritual growth journey is you uplift. The U stands for uplift. One of the best visuals that I could think of for this was of Moses. He was growing tired of holding his staff over the Red Sea for God to part the Red Sea when God had told him to do this. And he obeyed but he was left in a pretty vulnerable state with his arms up and he had to stay there and wait, and he got tired. Even just raising your hands in church, you have to switch arms halfway through, and it's tiring. Imagine having to hold a big heavy stick, probably in a very windy situation with the wind blowing and separating the water, and it's tiring. Well, Moses' community, his own brother and another person, came to him and held his hands up. In Exodus 17, 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And I love the word steady. When our friends come around us, they gather around us, they remind us, they reach out to us, they're helping us to stay steady. When we first surrender to God, we kind of get back up on pretty wobbly feet. And maybe we're uncertain of what that next step is in our walk of obedience. What does it need to be? What if I make a wrong step? What if I go backwards, back into temptation? It's kind of a shaky situation. But when our friends come around us and they uplift us, they hold our hands up and they help us to be steady. James 5, 15 through 16 says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Our friends coming around us and uplifting us also means that we confess our sins to them. We open up to them. How can they uplift us if they don't even know that we're tired? How can they come around us and help us to be steady if we pretend like we've got it all together. We have to admit and be willing to let them come and lift us up. And this last point for this third step is the P. P stands for protect. Our fellow believers, our Christian community groups, and trusted Christian mentors They're there to help keep a watch for us. And eventually, us for them, we, we take turns guarding and watching for the enemy for attacks and warning when we see something coming. They get to know you so well, sometimes so well, that even when you text, they can pick up on a tone of voice or that something's wrong and say, what's the matter? And you're like, what? I didn't say anything. But they just know. Because Holy Spirit's in the midst and he alerts them. And if they're paying attention and if they're in the word too, they're guarding for you. They're watching for you and they know. They know you so well that they will be the iron that sharpens iron. That's maybe painful in the moment and you don't want to hear hard truths that keep you on the straight and narrow path. But it's meant to protect you. From falling back into the traps of the enemy and back into sin again. They protect you from spiritual warfare and they become prayer warriors with you. That when you feel vulnerable all of a sudden, they help you to continually surrender your will to the Lord, especially when it gets hard. And when I think about a couple other examples of community in the Bible, I think about you know, in the first two steps, I talked about Saul a couple times. And in Acts 9, verse 19, it talks about how Saul spent several days after he was blind. And then after he was healed, he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. After this new encounter, this pretty severe encounter with God and sur- ultimate surrender to him and his complete transformation, he knew he needed to be surrounded by the disciples. And I also thought about the disciples that were with Jesus, that little core group of twelve. As they traveled in this group, they did several things. Traveling in a group helped prevent them from temptation and individuality in thinking. When, <laughs> when Peter, it was usually Peter, when Peter would go rogue and try to do something out of impulse, his behavior was corrected, his thinking and beliefs were challenged, The group came together, they helped each other understand, and oftentimes they were all confused and like, what is he talking about? I don't know, I don't get it. But they were there together attempting to understand and experience these relatively new things that Jesus was bringing to the table. So I just wanted to leave you with this encouragement today that you are designed for community. Because you're made in God's image and he is a triune God, And he created us to be in community with him. He created something in you that honestly craves community. And sometimes we're resistant to it because it's not going to be an easy journey. But especially when we have just been suffering from our own sinful nature and we've walked through this journey, we need them more than ever to help us grow spiritually, help us to stay alert and aware and on the right path. Our last step in this series will be coming out on Wednesday, so make sure to tune in for step four of the Find Freedom from Sin series. Loads of love, Lydia. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.